The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is Give and Go on Family FM, recording inside Canal Street Studio. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Of course, Happy New Year. It is the first episode of the new year, and we have so much to talk about. Of course, the NWSL draft is coming up from the United. Uh, United Coaches Soccer Convention in Chicago, the 9th and the 10th. That whole weekend is going to be absolutely jam-packed. Girls Soccer Network will actually be there. That is incredibly exciting. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great, great weekend. It's always a huge, huge time for uh, the growth of uh, American soccer, especially uh, for women's soccer. Obviously, a lot of different groups will be represented there. But to get into what we're going to talk about on today's show, so much. Of course, NWSL Draft Preview. We'll look at some of, obviously, the big names who have finally put their names into the eligibility pool. And also some smaller school players and some other players who you may hear uh, in later rounds of the draft. Because that's what I always love to do. Talk about some of the underdogs and, and discuss who could be a potential star or a, as we like to call, a diamond in the rough in, in the later rounds of the draft. And, of course, the FAWSL is back in England. Had a great slate of games earlier today, so we will wrap all that up for you, plus the W League as well. Only had three games this week with just a huge conglomeration of fixtures, but all that and more will be on the show, plus our social media and lifestyle section as well. So we start with some of the big names that you may hear. Dorian Bailey and Julia Ashley, uh, two players on North Carolina who are probably you know, the, the biggest names out there. Dorian Bailey in the midfield, Julia Ashley at the back. April Bakken out of Minnesota, a prolific striker in the Big Ten. Jordan DiBiase, of course, Pac-12 midfielder of the year out of Stanford, one of the better players in the nation. Julie James out of Baylor now she really uh had a a long road to get here and it was finally in her season senior season where she was able to kind of blossom and uh really come into her own and was a senior leader for the Baylor Bears who made a pretty deep run into the NCAA tournament Paige Monahan tough as nails in that Butler midfield uh you know what you're going to get out of her a, an absolute workhorse who can still get it done and score. Leah Pruitt, another player out of USC who can flat out put the ball in the goal. Someone who, again, is likely going to be in that first, second round range. Emily Ogle and Maddie Nolf, two Penn State players. Uh, again, two names that have been an anchor. When you think of Penn State, you think defense first, defense 
of course wins championships. It's worked out for them in this decade. They do have one to their name, Emily Ogle and Maddie Nolf, two players, one at the back, one in the midfield, who can totally um, be as versatile as can be. And, and that's really the name of the game in the NWSL. How many different positions can you play um, in order to increase your value and really earn a spot? Because what's so crazy is that initially there were still only, you know, going into last weekend, there were about 60 plus names and 36 players get drafted so you're looking at a 50 percent rate and then after some of the bigger names entered their name you're looking at upwards of 120 so so much going on um and it's unfortunate that you know 90 plus players you know dreams will not be realized to play soccer here in america but of course this is common in a lot of sports if it does not work out here that does not mean that the opportunity to go abroad will not be there um, there are so many opportunities for some of these players to still keep their dream alive. It may not be in the best of situations where there is not necessarily such as big of an infrastructure, but some of these players will get an opportunity to go abroad. Kayla Sharples out of Northwestern, a 5'11 defender, um, someone who I think also will be taken in that first round maybe second depending on which team needs it needs a defender uh someone of that size is always going to get a look and then kayla mccoy someone who was a, a deadly strike partner with imani dorsey of sky blue last season at duke this year she was asked to handle a lot bigger of a load and uh really did that unfortunately duke did not get as far as they did last year but mccoy was such a big part of their team and again it really comes down to how these teams want to, you know, how they evaluate talent and how they look at each and every player. What qualities are they looking for? All it takes is one team to fall in love with you and that's it. You're going to get picked and you will get an opportunity to play. So those are some of the bigger names that you definitely will need to keep your eye on come draft day. And of course, a lot can change from now till then. There's still uh, still a couple days left. Wednesday, January 9th is the deadline. So there's always an opportunity for more players to enter their name. A couple of big name seniors who have yet to enter their name, right? Uh, Khadijah, Bunny Shaw, we have yet to hear anything from among some other key figures. So still plenty of time for that and um, a lot can change. But for now, let's move on to some of the uh, other names that I noticed on the you know eligibility list. Um, did some research on some of them, and there were some very intriguing prospects. Um, there is this girl, uh, Meline Cabral, from Porto Alegre, Brazil, okay, out of Martin Methodist College, okay, a forward. Look at these stats, okay, are ridiculous. She scored 127 career goals in four years, okay, and that includes... 53 goals in 24 games her junior season, okay? 53 goals in 24 games, all right? That is more than two a game. Are you kidding me? Clearly, she is w way better than everyone else at that level when it comes to putting the ball in the goal. And you'd have to think that somebody... I mean, again, I don't necessarily know how deep the NWSL you know, scouting goes in terms of team by team because you're going to have to really dig deep and find a player of her stature, you know, 
one of those players who obviously has that extra bit of technical ability and ability to score in front of goals. So, you, I mean, I'm rooting for her. I mean, that's that level of production is unheard of at the college level, regardless, male or female, 127 career goals. I mean, seriously, I really hope that her name gets called potentially, you know, in that last round. Who knows? Somebody may take a chance on her looking for that little extra piece of attacking flair. Kelsey Doherty out of the University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. Uh, she was the conference goalkeeper of the year, set their school record with 351. So she, that's somebody who didn't have anybody coming before her. Uh, she played consistently there for a long time. And someone who, again, if you're looking for goalkeeper, there are a couple more goalkeepers on this list with, with some great stats as well. So I will get to them in a bit. Sabrina Flores out of Livingston, New Jersey, played at the University of Notre Dame, a midfield defender hybrid, played for the U.S. women's national team under-20 squad at the World Cup and won the CONCACAF championship as well. A workhorse kind of player who can pass the ball as well. Again, really all just what teams are looking for. Chloe Fromont out of Long Beach, Cal State Long Beach, uh, from France and also part of Lyon's uh, academy, so that automatically gives her plenty of credibility Definitely enjoyed the sun out there. Enjoyed her best season as a freshman. Someone who I would believe is going to be on teams' radar. If, teams radars, and she obviously has the option to go back to Europe if uh, no team in America t decides to take a chance on her. Out of Canada and the University of Memphis, Olivia Gauthier, a midfield defender type player. Um, was the captain of Memphis this past year, played all four years, and can pass out of the back. Again, anytime you have international experience you're or you, know, you come from another place, you're going to have uh, some interest drawn because of a different style of play. Nadia Gill out of West Virginia transferred from Quinnipiac out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, Toronto slash Ontario, obviously in two different places in Canada, um, had seven assists for one of the best teams in the nation. Okay, West Virginia is always, always in that top 10, top 15 discussion. So again, another quality player, another small school player who you may not have heard of, Marielle Gutierrez out of the University of Northern Colorado, uh, a forward slash midfielder who is one of the best players to ever come out of the Big Sky Conference, was a perennial all uh, first team all big sky player had 36 goals over four years from the midfield position so she clearly has some talent there playing against inferior competition and so uh, it really comes down to can those players who have not played against the best of the best really rise to the occasion if, if given the opportunity Haley Harbison out of Pepperdine University a solid defender slash forward played multiple positions was converted to defender um, one of the better players in the WCC, obviously a conference that boasts some great players and has had great players in the past. You think about Lynn Williams, who went to Pepperdine. You think about Julie Ertz, who went to Santa Clara, right? There are some, there's some solid competition out there. So if anyone's looking for a defender, um, who's played against good competition, um, she could be a good look. And another defender who, again, has also played against great competition, as I mentioned in the WCC, Jasmine Jackman, who went from Santa Clara to Oregon uh, at five foot ten. You know, someone with her size is is always going uh, to be um, 
beneficial to a, to a team, especially when you see teams like Portland who are so deadly from set pieces? Is there anyone that really could be a key? Is anyone going to look into finding a defender who could potentially uh, man mark or even sl- just remotely slow down Lindsey Horan from from heading the ball. That's that was really was a key theme, not just with the Portland Thorns, but from the NWSL season. Goal from set pieces, right? So many times teams had were in winning positions and gave it up because of goals from set pieces. So uh, I think looking for defenders with size is going to be at a premium coming up in this draft. Leanne Keegan's out of the University of Connecticut uh, played all four years at UConn, and the senior finished her UConn career playing an impressive 7,545 minutes out of a possible 7,595 minutes. So you're talking about she missed 50 minutes total in four years, 50 minutes total. And so you might be wondering, yeah, okay, she does not, she may not have the numbers to back it up, but the bottom line is she is on the field when it matters the most. And that is a coach's dream, right? An, an all-reliable player and um, someone who you can always look at and say, I can count on Leanne Keegan's to get the job done, no matter what role she's asked to play. Out of the Big Ten, Devin Angela Kerr. Uh, Ohio State won, I believe, Big Ten Goalie of the Year, yes, and allowed just 13 goals in 21 games her senior season with nine shutouts. Uh, usually, you know, the big school goalkeepers do get drafted. We saw Emily Boyd out of Cal was one of the better keepers last year. Marie Levasseur, also out of the University of Memphis, also from Canada, made the All-AAC first team three times. An assist machine, 25 to go with 24 goals over her career. Um, definitely someone who will be on a lot of teams' radars, for sure, for sure. Another goalkeeper, Cassette Morche out of Texas A&M uh, from Lawrenceville, Georgia, you know, was someone who transferred from Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, and had a 80% save percentage with 17 shutouts and 128 saves in 40 games. Uh, that's for Texas A&M in the SEC, so a great soccer conference. And for her to to put up those kind of num- numbers, you know, not only speaks to the level of defense, but to to her overall quality. Another big school keeper um, with some size who could get plenty of looks. Miranda Nile. Now this is another fun player out of Cal Berkeley. Uh, she is a member. of of the Thailand women's national team that has qualified for the World Cup this summer. So you're going to see her at you know at France this year for the World Cup in 2019. So keep an eye and remember that name. A very important player for the Golden Bears. Scored 10 goals and 4 assists over the last two seasons. And uh, if she's an international player at that level, um, again, it really comes down to which coaches are going to take that chance on an international player. Lexi Palafas um, out of Central Michigan University, another one of those small school players who absolutely shredded the competition, scored 42 goals and 10 assists over four seasons in the Metro Atlanta in, in the MAC Conference, and that level of production should not go unnoticed. Another international player who is who has come from overseas, and that is Kelso Peskin out of Lamar University 
in Texas out of the Southland Conference, a very, very small school. But she uh, recently received a call for the South African national team during the Cup of Nations. She got a call up for camp, uh, did not feature, um, but really, really did well against inferior competition in the Southland Conference. So again, if, if you're looking for you know, a striker slash midfielder with uh, speed and an ability to, to stick the ball in the goal, you know, we'll see. We're, we're getting down to it here. We're getting towards the end. Only a couple more names left. Tanya Samarzic out of the University of Kentucky, uh, a Mexican national team player who has a crazy story of her own. Uh, missed out on a World Cup, the 2015 World Cup, because of a bad ankle injury right before, just months leading up to it. She was going... Uh, and of course, that's that's always tough for a player when you miss out on that opportunity. But she came back and just was outstanding for Kentucky. Pretty much their leader in every single category offensively, and someone who, you know, at that level, when the reason why I keep referring to you know all of this international experience, it's because it's different environments that you're going to see, different, um, you know, whether there's. A hundred, hundreds of people in the crowd to, to, to thousands, really. It, anytime you have to deal with travel and, and the opportunity to play in different environments with different teammates, with different systems and styles and coaches, right? That's always an added benefit. It can potentially give you a leg up on some of the other players who have not uh, been given that opportunity. Samantha Stab out of Clemson University. Uh, this was directly from her coach, right, when she was coming in. To, to Clemson, and she left, um, obviously, as one of their best-ever defenders. Sam brings a wide-ranging skill set with her to Clemson. A naturally left-footed player, her range of passing will be a tremendous asset to our team. She is extremely competitive both in the tackle and in the air. So, again, when you're playing in the ACC, right, that definitely will catch some teams' eyes because the ACC is by far the best soccer conference and a real solid opportunity Um for for stop to get some looks because again the level of competition should you know to some degree matter you'd have to go and look at the tape and really see what she's produced on that level and last but not least Shea Yanez Tennessee goalkeeper um really obviously everyone talks about Bunny Shaw being the you know the the star of that team but really Shea Yanez had an incredible season for Tennessee this year, and she has got to be one of the goalkeepers whose name gets called, um, whether teams are looking for a second or third keeper, or maybe they're looking for, I don't. yeah, when you look around the league, I don't think there's any team in particular that could be looking for a, a new number one. Uh, everyone, all of those positions seem to be pretty locked down, but if you're looking for a number two or number three keeper, she seems like an ideal candidate, a great shot stopper. She set... The single season record, the school record for save percentage at 86%. Goals against average was just above um, half a goal a game, which again, if you can keep it under one, if you can keep it under a goal per game, right, that's very, very solid. And win percentage, 80%. Um, not only that, but she comes up big in the biggest of games. They did not obviously beat Stanford uh, in the NCAA tournament, but she set a career high in that match uh, with 12 saves. So, again, 
you cannot uh, discount her and her accomplishments and what she's been able to do. So as we move on and look into the draft order, right, and where teams could potentially go, let's run it down again, right? Nine teams picking. Obviously, the Red Stars and the Courage have a big stamp on this first round. The Spirit have two picks scattered in there. The Sky Blue, again, have two picks back-to-back. -back. But, of course, because of the Kristen Press trade, the Red Stars have the number one pick in this year's draft. And you'd have to wonder what direction are they going to go in, right? Because you have Sam Kerr right now. You have one of the more complete midfields in the league. Attacking-wise, you don't really have to worry, um, I don't think. But an interesting story came out of the W League. Aaron Wright, formerly Aaron Gilliland, um, one of their key defenders on Chicago, said earlier this week that she could be staying in Australia um, for the Newcastle Jets. The, the Jets have been uh, you know, towards the bottom half of the table, but injuries to Katie Stengel and, of course, Taylor Smith, who unfortunately tore her ACL, Right, she's looking to stay back. She recently got married, of course, thus the last name change, and and she mentioned in the article uh, that she's looking to potentially find a place to to settle, you know, to set some roots down and and really settle down for at least a little bit and take some time off. So you never know, right, with how that Chicago back line situation is, right? You obviously have Katie Naughton, you obviously have Casey Short, Brooke Elby. Sarah Gordon, right? But Sarah Gordon didn't really play much all of last year. She got a couple of appearances. Brooke Elby, of course, another another player. Do you use that opportunity to take another stud defender, or do you choose to move Julie Ertz back from midfield into defense? That is going to be a huge question mark for Rory Dames. And I think the name to me that stands out as the number one pick, normally like last year, right, Andy Sullivan was the clear cut number one pick but this year I mean I really don't know who you could take there are so many great defenders uh do you go Ali Prisak do you go keep it in state and go Kayla Sharples at number one but I really think the player that should go to Chicago is Julia Ashley I think it's a great fit I think Rory Dames will love her and just her overall work ethic and ability, right? Regardless of how skilled she is, that level of work rate and desire is always going to make up for um, the lack of, of skill. But there isn't really much of a lack of skill, right? But he, on, on games when she may or may not be playing well, she's always going to work hard no matter what. And she's very mentally tough. So I think uh, that's exactly what Rory Dames is looking for in his team. And I think... Julia Ashley makes the most sense for me at number one. Obviously, I mentioned, again, Sharples and Ali Prisak. Um, we'll see. Uh, that'll be a tough one. But I think, again, you know, the names I just mentioned will likely go number two and number three. Okay. Uh, you're looking at, right, defenders, but you never know. I mean, that that's what's so interesting about this draft. You think teams want to draft based on need but then sometimes you draft based on best available player and then you wait till later on in the draft to see if you have the other players that you have marked on your board again i'd like to think ali prisak or or, or kayla sharples or you know uh any one of those penn state defenders that's available on the board should go 
with at least one of those first three picks. And then with the second pick, right, like, like who are you really looking at, right? Let's go back to some of the names. Are we looking at a Jordan DiBiase? Are we looking at a Kayla McCoy? Are you looking to re, you know, rekindle that Duke partnership, right? And then have Dorsey on one wing. You already have McCaskill on the other. They're really just missing that striker up top, and obviously they need help at the back as well. That's, you know, Kaylin Sheridan can only do so much, right? She's consistently, uh, you know, facing shots all the time. They need to shore up their defensive back line. So I think at two and at three, they will go defender striker. I mean, that is the hope. For the spirit as well, I think we are going to see a lot of teams, you know, go in that defensive direction. There aren't a lot of game-breaking offensive players who should go off the board early on, other than maybe DiBiase. Leah Pruitt, you could see go, but then again, the spirit just traded for Ashley Hatch. So I don't see the spirit going after... You know, a striker at th- that early in the game. And, of course, Taylor Smith went down with an ACL injury. So they're probably going to look defender as well. So you're looking at three out of the first four, p- four picks being defenders. The question is, where do the courage go now at number five? And uh, you look at their situation right now, and they have a lot of players who are, you know, in limbo, you know, waiting to kind of, you know, sign a new contract. So key players Kristen Hamilton Jessica McDonald and others so we'll see what's going on with the courage and um and what direction they decide to go and again they have so many picks so you can you better expect that they're going to use them wisely either they're going to cut ties with some of those players under contract and that were under contract and draft new players right and use the picks do they trade those picks to collect other players that's what makes the draft so much fun and so much chaos is going to ensue over these next over the next week or so you definitely have to think so and then the red stars again right they get the seventh pick um from the royals as well they were already picking at six so three picks in the top seven the red stars are going to have a tremendous opportunity here to better themselves with some of the players on the board, do you go with a, you know, you already have Huerta, you have Ertz. Where do they look to go here? I think that's such a tough question. Do you look to add another strike partner at this point after going defense, you know, number one? I think Jordan DiBiase, if she's somehow still on the board, she probably won't be, right? But there's, there's some names out there who... You know, Paige Monahan, I think, also definitely fits what Rory Dames is trying to do, you know, to potentially plug and play in the midfield. You also have, you know, Vanessa Bernardo. So a, a very packed midfield in Chicago. Very interesting to see how that whole situation is going to shake out. And then, of course, the spear picking at eight and then the courage at nine again. So a lot going on. Uh and it'll be interesting to see if teams trade up, move down for players that they may or may not like. Because, again, it isn't necessarily the deepest draft. A lot of small school players will get an opportunity, will get their shot. Uh, but with so many, you know, it's it's unfortunate because there's only a selected number of, of teams in the league, only a set number of picks. 
So not everyone is going to get an opportunity to necessarily fulfill their dreams, but that's also part of the game. That's that's how it goes, and that's why all of these women, I'm sure, have, you know, whether it's to play overseas or whether, you know, they obviously, none. I don't think any of these players really declared early. Most of these players are, are seniors. So, you know, they have degrees. They will have something to fall back on. That's why education is so key, and having that degree will help them succeed no matter what it is they choose to do. And even for, you know, those NWSL players and, and other, you know, who may not be a big star, right, That it's the same deal for them. Once they retire, you know, you have to consider what are you going to do uh, with your life and your career. When you look at what, you know, Yael Averbuke is obviously – you know, a former star at, at North Carolina and has been a big face of the NWSL, especially when she was at FC Kansas City. But you look at what she's been able to do right now with her Techne football app and just her overall, you know, awareness for the women's game, all the work that she's doing, right? That's That's one shining example of what some of these women are going to have an opportunity to do, whether it's being an analyst whether it's coaching whether it's something completely different uh that's that's really what it's all about and it's and it's nice to see because it's not something that necessarily carries over uh to men's college sports where everyone's declaring early and you know they're not exactly finishing their degrees and you know that's a whole nother topic a whole nother discussion but yes the nwsl draft is going to be so much fun and we cannot, cannot wait uh, to go deeper into it. So, by the next episode, we will obviously bring you all the in-depth analysis, everything that is going on uh, with the draft. And now a word from our sponsor, Striker Elite. Based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, Striker Elite develops confident, creative, and elite players in soccer and for life. After instructing players seeking to play at the highest level, Coach George Nahorski quickly recognized the need for an environment that helped these players excel at a rapid pace. That's where the creation of an academy that would specialize in training soccer players was born. Focusing on player development, the curriculum at Striker Elite emphasizes technical skills, tactical awareness, mental toughness, character, leadership, and confidence. They currently have U.S. Development Academy, ECNL, ODP, and college players at Striker Elite, as well as aspiring players seeking to play professionally. Striker Elite trainers are qualified and have extensive playing and coaching experience. Whether you're a club player looking to take your game to the next level and become a college or professional player, they will help you fulfill your goals. They provide elite one-on-one training, partner training, small group and team training, plus elite camps. For more information, go to www.strikerelitesoccer.com. And I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, you can obviously go check them out on Instagram as well. Uh, big news for Striker Elite. They just had Carly Lloyd there with them out in Nevada for a pro camp. Okay, so a weekend of, of you know, it, just the fact that you have Carly Lloyd there. Um, is just such a big deal. I know it's something that they had worked tremendously hard on. It was it was you know years in the making, and they finally made it happen. And one of the biggest takeaways from that camp, I'm sure, for some of those you know players out there, is to 
you know, the, the hashtag that I saw most frequently was hashtag empty the tank. And you always need to be pushing the envelope, always need to be giving more if you want to truly reach your full, you know, your full potential and your, uh, become the best player that you could possibly be. And so it, it's great for Carly Lloyd to be obviously spreading that message uh, with Striker Elite. We move on to the W League, where unfortunately Katrina Gorey, obviously you may have heard that name before, uh, she plays for the Utah Royals, is out for the rest of the W League season with a ruptured syndemosis, which is a severe high ankle sprain. Uh, she'll have to work hard to get back in time for the World Cup, but as I mentioned, you know, that season, this upcoming NWSL season with the Royals could definitely be in doubt. So, you know, the Royals will have to potentially look into later on in the draft. They actually don't have a pick until the third round. So any one of those small, small school players that I mentioned earlier, right, in terms of a midfield player, they're going to need to replace someone like Katrina Gorey, who is a Matildas international. So... You know, we hope uh, she has a speedy recovery. Sam Kerr converted from the spot to send Perth to the top of the table. But in goal, Eliza Campbell has been just as good to keep Perth on their winning ways. So the glory still hanging around at the top. There was a shakeup in the middle of the table. The Melbourne Derby, which is probably one of the biggest fixtures in the W League between the uh, the Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City FC. It was deadlocked until about 88 minutes into that game, and Christine Nairn, who plays for Orlando now, I believe. Yes, she was, plays for Orlando, scored from a corner. And it's not one of those corners where, you know, the keeper's out of position and, uh, you know, she gets beat on the near post because she was you know, cheating too far back or cheating too far forward. This one went directly into the top far corner. So, I mean, you really have to hit that perfect in order for that to go in, whether it was a, you know, accident or not. I don't think, you know, the victory care all that much because when you score a goal like that um, to win a derby, it's always going to make the news and it's always going to be huge. The FAWSL was back in England, and um, thank God it was because... Every time these, you know, you have a full slate of fixtures, there's always some great action going on. And there was, again, a lot to sh- a lot of shaking up going on in, in the table. Birmingham City against Reading FC. Birmingham led by Ellen White and Reading FC by Farrell Williams. Uh, they've been doing a great job this season. Farrell Williams, I don't know how she's doing it still. Um as as great as ever, and the fact that she's doing it for you know a smaller club like Reading is great. It, the game ended two one. All three goals were scored after the seventy first minute. Uh, Birmingham City captain carries Harrop uh, scored to break the deadlock, but Reading of course equalized it in the eighty eighth, and then Megan Sargent won it a minute later. Okay, they were absolute scenes. The celebrations after the game were phenomenal, and again, that's why we love the game so much, right? When, you know, when play when you score that game winner with such little time left, uh, those are moments that you know you don't get to see very often, and it's really cool every time they do. There is 
you know, we talked about in the past Manchester City and Arsenal. You know, Chelsea's in the mix as well, but City and Arsenal are really near the top of the table. And City actually tied Bristol City 1-1. Arsenal were able to get a win, so Manchester City uh, totally blew their opportunity. But it wasn't even like they that they didn't try. You know, Bristol City got a penalty, right? So... You know, that made it 1-1. Nikita, Spar- Nikita Paris scored earlier on in the game. But there was this moment in the game, this crazy moment, where City somehow, from point-blank range, hit the crossbar twice in, the, in, in a matter of seconds, and the ball just refused to go in. Sometimes, you know how it goes in soccer, right? You have that game where you can be the dominant team, you can be the better team, but if you do not put the ball in the goal... Uh, you're going to pay the price. And now Arsenal have a two-point lead at the top of the table as a result. City will be ruining those misses in front of goal. A quick uh, story out of the FA Championship, which is the league below the WSL, right? Manchester United, obviously a newly formed team this year, scored nine goals on the London Bees. Uh, this is another, you know, they... They've, they keep winning by big totals. They're at the top of the table now. Their lead is slender, but they have a goal difference, I believe, of like 48 or something. So clearly they're a team that deserves to be um, at the highest level, and we cannot wait. Um, hopefully they earn you know, promotion, right? They still have to hold on to first place. But if they do, I think they will, they will be more than ready for the FAWSL and it's all about you know you need the big name clubs you need the big brand names in order to consistently grow the league and make it bigger right so Manchester United they should be there they should be there in the mix as soon as possible and now a word from our sponsor Topical Gear Topical Gear was formed in 2011 by a team of professionals from the orthopedic sports medicine field Collectively, this team has over two centuries of knowledge in athletic training, biomechanics, product development, manufacturing, orthopedic sports medicine, arthroscopy, and the pioneering of of products in the sports medicine market. Their team is constantly on the field or in the gym getting feedback directly from parents, players, coaches, and athletic trainers as part of their continuing effort to develop products that help increase female athletes' performance while keeping them healthy. All of their products are backed by professional published research and tested by real athletes at both the high school and college level. All you soccer players, parents, and other athletes out there, go to www.compressioninmotion.com and check out the T25 knee along with other shoulder and ankle products. All right, as we wrap up our show, we head to the social media and lifestyle portion of it. On our website, one of the articles written by Whitney Worthen, the Sané Foundation, started by Tony Sané, who is a former U.S. Women's National Team player, uh, applied his trade in the Bundesliga as well, um, who started the organ, the, who started the foundation while he was still a player, but now that he's retired, he's really been able to be the driving force behind it. Um, this is directly from our article written by Whitney. Sané took his passion for soccer to create positive social change for the youth of today. The organization would focus on empowering lower-income and immigrant children through educational attainment, both through in and after school support. The Sané Foundation currently caters to children 5 to 12 years old. 
Through the foundation, Sana and his team of coaches run soccer camps, build community and character, and serve meals. The Sunday Foundation currently runs six programs with a yearly budget of $3.5 million. Now that's a lot of money to work with and surely with that kind of backing, this foundation is only going to grow and help more immigrant children integrate into this country at a, at a better rate. And obviously we've got a lot going on politically and I won't get into that, but you know this is great to see that there is another side to this to help some of those who are coming here for a better life. And of course, one final story. This past Friday, Katarina Macario wins the Mac Herman Trophy as the best player in college soccer on the on the women's side. And again, that should really come as a surprise to no one. Uh, she was injured and missed some games this year and was still by far and away the best player in the country. Scored some incredible goals, some incredible assists. Really was... You know, we talk about Jordan DiBiase and, and what she does, but Macario probably is the best player. And you could have honestly argued, like, if if Andy Sullivan wasn't so loved by everyone, like, I could easily make a case that last year she could have won the trophy as well. But again, no freshman was ever going to, you know, it's it's very tough for a freshman to, to break in. And, and there's all there's so much tradition that that is involved with the Mac Herman trophy. But when you look at her overall production last year, you could have argued that she could have won it. And this year, she definitely deserved it. So who knows, going into next season, right? She She's probably the favorite to win it again. And to be a two-time winner, there are a very select few players who have done that. I believe Morgan Bryan is one of them. Christine Sinclair is another, right? There are some others out there. I, I you know, I forgive me for... Uh, for missing out on them but you know when you when you are in the same sentence as Christine Sinclair you know Morgan Bryan in terms of college level players you know you're obviously destined for greatness at the next level so she should be able to you know as long as she stays healthy right that's the big thing can she stay healthy um she'll in all likelihood um be the winner again next year but it's a long ways away we got a whole season to go we got the NWSL season in between so you know, the draft still is to come. There's so much going on before we get back to another college season. So, again, uh, Katarina Macario, you are uh, a joy to watch. And thank you for entertaining us all with your brilliant play because you are a breath of fresh air in, in women's soccer for sure. Give and Go is presented in partnership with Listening Party, the creators of Family FM. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at at Canal Street Market. That is all for me on episode 10 of Give and Go. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, I'm, of course, your host, Rotas Wadera. This is Give and Go. And again, keep showing us some love on Instagram, at Girls Soccer Network, and Twitter, at Girls Soccer Net. Right? We have a Facebook page as well. Everything is happening, guys. I'm telling you, our Instagram is one of the best out there. Um, you know, one of the best accounts to follow. We have it wide range of content constantly we're on there we're doing great things uh we've got some merch as well so stop by our website www.girlssoccernetwork.com i'm telling y'all 2019 is going to be huge so make sure you keep riding with us again thank you so much for joining us till next time peace